Hello, this is Glenda Taylor, and this is the One and All Wisdom Podcast. Today I want to share with you some of my thoughts about a fairy tale, folk tale, psychological tale that I think is relevant to our time and worthy of our consideration. It is the story of Cinderella and I am looking at it from perhaps a little bit different angle than you may be accustomed to thinking about it. I am thinking about Cinderella as an example of, well, an archetype of negative inflation. A person who has an overblown sense of his or her own worth is said by psychologists to have an inflation or an inflated ego. His or her neighbors simply say that that he or she has a big head. This situation usually causes an individual difficulties in dealing with reality and with the people around him. Surprisingly enough, a person with an underblown, shall we say, sense of his own worth or her own worth with a massive inferiority complex is also referred to by psychologists as inflated. However, this time the condition is called negative inflation. Such a person, one who habitually sees himself or herself as the worst of the worst, or if you will, as the best worst of all, this sort of person maintains a sort of reverse vanity. If I can't be the best, then I'll be the very worst. We see people like this often, despite the fact that we usually try to avoid them like the plague. Let's take an example, oh, I don't know, certain housewives hovering over a brood of offspring at the bus stop or picking over the tomatoes in the supermarket bore anyone who will listen with ain't-I-awful stories. Certain men hanging loosely over the bar, shall we say, tell their buddies morosely again and again how much they lost in the commodity market this week or how badly their wives treat them or whatever. Nobody has it worse than me. Listen to this. Precedes one self-denigrating horror story after another. Now, a certain amount of confession of failure to live up to some standard of performance is normal and indeed, I think, is healthy. It's the antidote for the big head. But there are those who never seem to escape the miseries who seem actually to take their pleasure in martyrdom or being the victim and in pain. It becomes an habitual approach to life to think the worst of oneself, to expect the worst of life, and like Eeyore, the gloomy donkey of Winnie the Pooh, to say of misfortune, it's just what would happen to me. Now, it's difficult for any of us to recognize this behavior in ourselves, in ourselves, as an inflation of ego, as a vanity. But the condition is easily understood by those who must live with us or near the negative person on a day-to-day basis. 
Do you think you're the only one in the world with problems? They are apt finally to ask. Well, no, but my problems today are bigger than those of most people. The martyr or the constant victim will reply proudly as it were, though apparently with sighs of remorse and regret. This negative inflation is a cruelly destructive psychological habit. A wise person will attempt to bring it into awareness and ultimately to break it up whenever possible in oneself. Even those of us with a normally positive outlook on life find ourselves sucked down into this muddy bog from time to time. And it helps, I think, to understand the psychological mechanism involved so that we can extricate ourselves as quickly as possible. So a look at a familiar example perhaps will help. The story of Cinderella reveals this syndrome clearly and also, I think, indicates what we can do about it. The very title, Cinderella, or Cinder Girl, Cinderella, tells us much. Sitting in the cinders, sackcloth and ashes, is a veritable cliché of the complex, of the condition. So the story goes that Cinderella, who was beautiful beyond compare, was the daughter of a widower. Her mother was dead. But the father loved his daughter very much. Probably he spoiled her a little. Then he married again. Cinderella's stepmother had three daughters of her own, none as lovely as Cinderella. The stepmother and stepsisters, in their jealousy, gave Cinderella all the difficult and menial task to do. They abused her verbally and deprived her of any lovely clothes or fancy jewelry or other luxuries. Cinderella, good girl that she was, did not complain. She did all that was asked of her and more. When her stepmother and stepsisters went to a royal ball at the king's palace, jeering at Cinderella and ordering her to stay home, she sat alone among the ashes and cinders of the dead hearth fire, weeping and trying to warm and comfort herself. Then a fairy godmother appeared and waved her magic wand, transforming Cinderella's sooty rags into a shimmering gown, her battered work shoes into glass slippers, a pumpkin into a royal coach, and a few mice into a handsome team of horses. Cinderella went to the ball, where she entranced the king's son, who spent the entire evening with her. But alas, when the clock struck twelve, the fairy godmother's magic came to an end, and Cinderella raced for home before anyone noticed that her gown was becoming once again a sooty rag, her coach a pumpkin, and so forth. But one bit of magic lingered. One glass slipper was left on the stairway. The prince found this slipper and determined to search the kingdom until he found the foot that would fit it and the person with the other glass slipper. And so he went on a long and tedious house-to-house search. He searched and searched until he located Cinderella. And over the protests 
of the stepmother and stepsisters, he married Cinderella and made her a queen. Thus she was rescued from her life among the cinders and lived happily ever after. Perhaps. <laughs> now there are many aspects to this story that could be examined. Psychologists tell us that in dreams, myths, and fairy tales, every character can be seen as aspects of human personality that each of us, each of us, men and women, has within ourselves. Well, we could examine the wicked stepsisters, for example, who could maybe be considered undeveloped potential, not so beautiful as Cinderella, and perhaps quite naturally, jealous of the beautifully ego and perhaps egoistic personality and seeking to displace it. We could go into that. It would certainly be a legitimate way of approaching the story. In other places, I have given workshops on the real value of, of the wicked stepmother inside of us who takes us to task for any overblown sense of ourselves, brings us from being a pampered princess into being able to be a queen who cares for her kingdom and the people in it and not just for herself. So there is a place in, in psychology and in looking at dream images and, and even at, in the Cinderella story for the motivations of the wicked stepmother and the stepsisters in this story. But our story also posits the fact that the stepmother and stepsisters are cruel. They do mistreat Cinderella, and Cinderella is victimized. Her mother is dead. Perhaps the mother, if she were alive, would have given Cinderella a more balanced approach to life to start with. But that mothering quality, that positive and disciplining mothering quality in, in balance, is gone from her life. And so she has a, perhaps, a very good and loving father, but maybe one that because the mother is dead, he's not able to give her those things that she needs to balance out her personality that, in that way. And so along comes this victimizing quality from, from the outer world that he marries he marries this woman, and, and there it is. And it is important right now in my telling of the story in the way that I'm doing, the focus I'm giving it, it's important for me to stop first and acknowledge that there are victims in this world. There are those who are mistreated by those in the outer world. There's no denying that. There's no denying either that women in general have been victims in our culture for many, 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 perhaps 10,000 years or more, have been, oh, um, relegated to a lower place and have been severely victimized. Sharon Blackie, in a book, If Women Rose Rooted, If Women Rose Rooted, wrote recently about this situation that we're in where the 
cultural narrative informs us that women don't matter as much as men and it's and that that's how it is just how it is and i quote we tell ourselves that during the last century feminism was born and so equality is happening and everything is getting better now right and among liberal thinkers in the united kingdom where this the, this writer is from feminist writer and activist beatrice campbell suggested that the optimistic belief that men and women are on a cultural journey toward equality still prevails. But Campbell argues that not only has this progress stopped, in some cases it has actually been reversed. Even though awareness of the issues which women face is high, even though lip service is paid to women's rights, new inequalities are emerging in our culture all the time. We are living, Campbell writes, in an era of neo-patriarchy, neo-patriarchy, in which violence has proliferated. Body anxiety and self-hatred among women have flourished. Rape is committed with impunity. Sex trafficking thrives. And the struggle for equal pay is perhaps effectively at an end. And Blackie says, it's hard to disagree with Campbell that a new revolution is needed. The only question is what form it should take, end quote. So I could go on and, <laughs> and speak a great deal about the victimization of women. Certainly it is true. And certainly it's a good thing that women are speaking up and rightfully demanding their their place in the world. But that's not the focus of what I'm trying to talk about right now. That's not where every woman is, or even every human is. And so I want to speak a a little bit about, perhaps, about why they're not in this story, the way that I'm directing my attention to this story right now, when I'm talking about Cinderella as an archetype of negative inflation. In her story, Cinderella is is shown as what has traditionally been called a feminine element. And to an excess, I might say, she is beautiful beyond compare. Unlike most of us, perfectly beautiful is something maybe we aspire to. But in the story... Cinderella is beautiful beyond compare. And so she is preceded mythologically by the goddess of beauty, Aphrodite. And a whole train of beautiful goddesses in our mythology and in our stories. And Aphrodite and all goddesses expect to be worshipped and have a right to worship. And so it would be interesting to pause and think about the fact that each of us has this Aphrodite, this inner royalty, this inner goddess, this Cinderella as she is at the beginning of the story, who is beautiful beyond compare, who deserves our honor and appreciation for ourselves, no matter what our outer appearance As the poet says, beauty is its own excuse for being, and we have a right to be and deserve a certain self-esteem 
a certain pride in our own personhood. We each have an inner goddess of beauty to honor. Trouble is, it is we ourselves who must first honor and worship our own inner goddess nature, if you will. Cinderella in our story, however, allows her stepmother and stepsisters to belittle her, to demean her, and to take advantage of her, all with no complaint from Cinderella. She sits in the corner and weeps and waits for either a fairy godmother or a handsome prince to rescue her. Too many of us women in in my earlier part of my lifetime were typical. That was typical that we had this romantic need uh, for worship on an outer level, waiting for someone else to worship us, to honor us, to wait for Prince Charming to come along. Thus, we never felt adequately appreciated. Persons with negative inflation always feel they're not adequately understood or appreciated by others. They take their sense of value from others, their role identity from others, and do not take responsibility for their own happiness or destiny. When Cinderella meets with difficulty, she acquiesces in it. After she does the chores demanded by her stepmother and more, she sits in the hearth cinders and weeps. Why, one may ask, doesn't she go to her father? Why doesn't she defend herself? Why doesn't she refuse the unfair demands made upon her? Why doesn't she assume responsibility rather than accepting the role handed to her by others? Why, depth psychologist might ask, doesn't she come to terms with her own inner shadow selves, her own inner stepsisters and wicked stepmother, so that they no longer envy and hate her and usurp her power? Why doesn't she listen to them and find out and perhaps have a little more sensitivity to their needs and their feelings? After all, she may be beautiful on the outside, but who knows, she may be spoiled rotten as well. And so, looking at our shadow selves, our stepsisters, our wicked stepmother, Cinderella does none of that, however, as if to say, well, what else can I expect? I deserve nothing better than I'm getting. I'm a victim. But the royalty part of her nature doesn't go away. It simmers away inside, making her miserable. Like the like the song in in the musical Camelot, Guinevere, the princess in that song, who's trying to be queen, sings, Shall I not be on a pedestal worshipped and competed for? But Cinderella, with her negative inflation now, sits and weeps in the corner, hugging her misery to herself, as any good martyr or victim would know to do. When the stepmother and stepsisters, ugly as they are, traipse off to the ball in expectation and high hope, Cinderella, forbidden to go to the dance, sits daydreaming by the fire. This is a typical pattern. Better to dream of great things by and by than to grapple realistically with and change the real difficulties that lie about us. Better to escape in fantasy 
to a world where we are, oh, worshipped, rather than to lower ourselves to struggle to make ourselves known and appreciated in the actual outer world. Better to sit and weep and suffer than to raise a fuss. Now, I would say (laughs) that that's easy to do, to become complicit in the situation, in the abuse, in the in the victimization, in the, in the difficulties of being a woman in, in our culture. It's easy to become complicit in that. As Blakey says in another part of her book, quote, women might have been complicit. We have been well trained for centuries after all, a little bit of burning at the stake, incarceration in nunneries and lunatic asylums if we didn't do what we were told and the constant threat of rape and violence. All of those do wonders for compliance. And so it's perhaps not surprising that many women have lived in a daydream or fantasy world in romantic soap opera version of reality rather than raising a fuss. Countless thousands of youngsters and many elders fall into this trap Daydreams can be a rich diversion, a satisfying sidelight to ordinary activity, or they can be an escape, a way of withdrawing and refusing to deal with a difficult outer world by amusing oneself with fabulous fantasies in which one is always the hero or the heroine, always rescued, always blissful and happy, where people really appreciate us. This degree of escapism is dangerous, preventing real growth by diverting the flow of natural energies from altering the difficulties of the outer world to elaborating ever more delicious daydreams. One wants a fabulous life, but one doesn't want actually to work for it. Let it come easily as if by magic, by the wave of a magic wand. Interfairy godmother. Not a real godmother, mind you, a real godmother whom Cinderella probably had and could have turned to had she chosen to, would have dealt realistically with the situation. I can imagine her saying, No glass slippers, for heaven's sake. Suppose they break, you'll cut your feet. No fancy carriages and coachmen. Just be yourself. Here. You can wear this dress. It's not so fancy, but it's clean and nice. Anyway, you are beautiful enough that whatever you wear, you will shine. Now scrub your face and go have a good time. (laughs) My great aunt said something like that to me once. I was taller than most at a certain stage of my life, and, and I would sort of hunch over and try to hide the fact that I was tall and And she said to me, if you don't stand up straight, I'm going to hit you with a stick. (laughs) And she said, you just remember, you are a long-stemmed American beauty rose. And don't you ever forget it. And she made me believe that about myself, about my inner beauty, about my own personal beauty, my inner royalty, if you will. But 
She also made me stand up straight, and she also disciplined me all the time about doing my part and taking care of my pets and helping my mother and, and well, she was training me to be a queen, to acknowledge my beautiful inner princess, but also uh, to be aware of my responsibilities. And, and she called me to task about my wicked stepsisters whenever they showed their face around her. And like, like any other good, <laughs> real godmother, she would, she said to me, more often than not, you're okay, just as you are, <laughs> without a fancy carriage and a lot of hoopla about mice and pumpkins becoming fabulous creatures, and and take care of yourself, and don't wait around for the handsome prince. But no, in the in the story of Cinderella, we have an inflated picture instead. Fairy godmother produces miracles. Pumpkins become coaches. Mice become horses. Cinderella dazzles all at the ballroom, especially the prince. She is the most fabulous creature there. So we can see in their story that the person with a negative inflation always falls over into the opposite. They often repeat this pattern. When they finally attempt to break out of their gloom and darkness, they go overboard in the other direction. I'll no longer be the worst of the worst, they say. Now I'll be the best of the best. They go from ashes to grandeur, from pumpkins to regal coaches. They go from negative to positive inflation, and they still haven't dealt with reality. But life is life. Fairy godmother spells only work so long. Most people settle into the paradox of the good and bad of reality and make the best of it. They realize that while they are goddesses on the one hand, they're also peasants and serving girls on the other, so they joke about it. They gripe about it. But they accept it to a certain extent as this is what the world is like right now, and they get to work to change it or to make the best of it. Not, however, the Cinderella's of the world. They don't reach that balance, that comfortable ebb and flow, that give and take of light and dark. They're either overblown royalty or dejected victims and martyrs. When the clock inevitably strikes, the fantastic overdone effort of an inflated positive approach crumbles, and the person, not surprised, says, Eeyore like, Oh, I knew it wouldn't work. It's always like that. <laughs> Maybe many alcoholics and other addicts constantly seeing themselves as victims fit this pattern. Instead of taking one step at a time, as AA advocates, they proudly announced all and sundry, Oh, I'll never touch another drop, never, until the clock strikes twelve, of course. Now the solution to the Cinderella syndrome comes. The prince, dogged, determined, persistent, thorough, goes from house to house, tries every means, every foot, leaves no stone unturned until he finds Cinderella and raises her from the ashes to the throne to become his queen. Now, as I said, many, many young girls wait forever for that moment, sighing, 
I'll know when my prince comes along. (laughs) They wait for an outer man or someone else to rescue them, to give them value, to make them a queen. Both women's liberation and depth psychology agree that this won't work. No outer man, no one else, no matter how princely, can give us our worth and value. That must come from within ourselves. But within ourselves is these qualities that the prince in our story embodies. Within each of us, men and women, is such a, quote, princely, and what has often been described as a masculine quality that can rescue us. Within each of us, man and woman, is this humanly psychological component, a strata of courage, daring, discipline, and so forth, that the myths here in, in this story depict as Prince Charming or the knight in shining armor. Every one of us, man and woman, has this inner potential along with our fabulous royal potential. And so when one is caught in a negative inflation, when one is being Cinderella, sitting in the ashes and waiting for life to recognize one's true worth, when one is feeling victimized, and in sometimes when one is victimized, one must marshal one's inner princely, kingly, perhaps, element, one's determination, one's bravery, one's realistic outer world perspective, one's prince in our story, and rescue oneself. Like the prince in the story, we have to get to work with courage, with cunning, with persistence, doing over and over what has to be done to change the condition one finds oneself caught in until a solution is discovered. This is the only thing that really works. And when this work is done, then we may have, as the story of Cinderella tells us at the end, We may have a marriage of what has been called the inner masculine and inner feminine, of those qualities of the prince and the princess within, those human qualities of the princess, the neglected stepsisters, the wicked stepmother, the absent parent, the neglectful but perhaps spoiling father, whatever it may be, all of these may be in any of us. But when our work is done, when we do the psychological work necessary to bring all of these parts of ourselves into balance and harmony, the ultimate goal of both the fairy tale and our psychological work, our story tells us, we may have a real chance to live happily (laughs) in balance and wholeness ever after, as did 
Cinderella and her Prince Charming. And so that's the end of my, my story and my bit of reflection on that story for today. I will welcome your feedback and your response if you care to give it about your experiences in this regard and whether you agree with me or disagree with me or want to expand on this in any way. Uh, you can go to the website oneandallwisdom.com and leave a comment there, which I will certainly see and appreciate and respond to. And so uh, I hope you do that. I hope you do visit our website oneandallwisdom.com frequently. There's a lot of other material there. There's oh all sorts of things, quotations and, and uh, essays and writings and videos and much more alike and different from what you've heard today. And so until next time on this podcast, when who knows what will be the subject that I choose to focus on, this is Glenda Taylor, and I hope you're having a wonderful day and a wonderful life. Thank you.